Good evening. It's good to see so many here. There were so many people traveling and out of town. I didn't know how many would be here this evening. I appreciate you being here. If you're visiting with us, we're happy that you can be with us. I would have you know first thing that I'm not the preacher here. You have happened in uh, at a time. This is actually the last lesson in the lectureship series. A lectureship series that was intended to um, begin last year, but COVID took care of that. So we moved it to this year and into the fall. And we even moved this lesson back a little further. Brother Allen told me that not too long ago they would have to move it back. And I really think it was more to do with the fact he was going to leave town this week and he wouldn't have to be here. But we had a gospel meeting last week and a very good gospel meeting. And uh, so we moved it back to accommodate that. Very glad to do so. The topic for our lectureship series has been, quote, one another. One another. And we've had a series of lessons having to do with one another, with fellowship and, and things of that nature. Tonight's title is Seek What is Good for One Another. Seek what is good for one another. I don't think this is an idea, a topic that is unfamiliar to any child of God. I don't think we're going to talk about anything tonight that is unfamiliar to a Christian. But in fact, we as Christians were created for that very thing. When we became a Christian, we were recreated, a new man, and that's the very thing we were created for. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. We'll read a couple of verses from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now as we look at this, I'd like to draw attention first to the idea of for we are his workmanship. Workmanship. If I were to come to your house and there was a beautiful table in your house and I commented on, well, what a lovely table, that's a beautiful table. And you said to me, I made that. I made that table myself. That, well, that's, that's just great. You did a beautiful job. And then you would probably think it really odd if I were then to ask, who owns this table? Well, Chuck, I just told you I made it. I own it. Oh, I see. So you made it and you have ownership of it. Well, who owns it with you? Absolutely no one. I, this is my workmanship. I made it. I own it wholly and completely. I made it. Well, that's the way it is with God. It's his workmanship that he created in us Christ Jesus. We are wholly and completely God's. He made us. He owns us. And he created us in Christ Jesus for good works. So this is not a concept that's foreign to you and I, but perhaps we let this idea that we were created for this purpose escape our attention. I know I have, and, and I don't think about it as often as I should. 
That was his purpose in creating us in Christ for good works. And then, which God prepared beforehand. There's probably a lot more to that than we have time to get into tonight, but you can see that there's sort of a future cast to that statement that God prepared for us the works that we will walk in as Christians, as he says. It might be a little bit difficult to, to see because of the chapter division. We're in chapter two, but it's really continuing the thoughts that begin in chapter one of Ephesians. If you look back in chapter one of Ephesians, verses three through six, he's been talking about the blessings found in Christ. And in verse three, he says, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved, according to the purpose of his will. Meaning, God decided this. It was his will, it was his purpose. He didn't consult with us. He didn't consult with anybody or anything. God did all of this according to his will. You may have a different translation. Yours may say according to his own counsel or something to that nature, or his own, uh, well, purpose is what I have, but the purpose of his will. God has never been arbitrary, has he? He's always had a purpose. He's always created and done things with a purpose. He never operates on a whim like you and I might as, as human beings. He, he has a purpose for every act towards man. The purpose of his will is why he created us when we became Christians, new creatures in his son. And one such purpose for the reason he created us is that we do good works. God made us what we are as Christians, and he created us, did so in his son, Jesus Christ, according to his idea, according to his will, according to his purpose. And he created good works beforehand so that we might walk in them. Notice it says, actually, that we should walk in them. Anytime walking is presented in the New Testament in this context, it's a, a matter of how we live our life, living our life, and it's ultimately our choice, isn't it? It's our choice how and where we walk. Now, God prepared good works for us to walk in. So we're seeking what's good for one another. God has prepared good works for us. And in all this writing about God and what he's predetermined, what he's predestined, nowhere does it insinuate that God will move us against our will. 
Now, I know there's plenty of religious doctrines that are based on that very thing, that predestination, we have nothing to do with it. But I don't see that, and I don't see that in determining this either, the works that we walk in. God is not going to move us against our will. It's an exercise of our free will whether or not we carry out this purpose of doing good works. The reading from Ephesians ended with, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 that is, ended speaking of God's grace in which he blessed us, Ephesians 1 verse 6. All of this can be seen again in Titus chapter 2. If you want to turn to Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 14, this time he starts with God's grace. He said, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. His people that he wants are not only aware there are good works, they're zealous for them. So, if you've ever wondered what you're good for, if you've ever gotten discouraged and think, what's the point? What am I good for? Well, if I understand this, if you're a Christian, you're good to the Lord. You're good to the Lord for His good work, for His purpose. And we should be zealous to do them. And that stands to reason, really. Since we're created in Christ, as we discussed earlier, God did this in Christ. And since we wear His name, we're Christians. We wear Christ's names, and you remember Romans 13 and verse 14, Paul's telling us how we should walk, how we should walk properly. He tells us to put on Christ. So in a sense, we're clothed in Christ. We wear Christ. And the point being then, we are akin to Christ, and to Christ's nature, and to Christ's purpose. We are part of that because we wear Christ. We put on Christ. We are Christians, and we were created in Christ as Christians. So we should have the same purpose as Christ. Okay, then, what was Christ's purpose? Well, Christ tells us himself. If you turn to John chapter 6, Verse, he tells us in more places than this, but in John 6 and verse 38, we know that Christ came to do his Father's will, his Father's purpose. And John 6 verse 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. Am I Slides are messing up on me, I'm sorry. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up in the last day. 
For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. There's a lot of wills going on there, and if my slides were supposed to clarify that, and I think they kind of muddied the waters, actually. But it, he talks about the will of him who sent me, the will of him who sent me again, and this is the will of my Father. Jesus makes it very plain, the reason he came was to do the will of his Father, which was that everyone who believes in him would have eternal life, and he'll be able to raise them up in the last day. Jesus was aware of his purpose from a very young age, wasn't he? You remember when he was 12 years old and he was left behind in Jerusalem. When his parents recovered him, he said to them, do you not know I must be about my father's business? More modern translations say, I must be in my father's house, which carries the same thought. Jesus knew he had a purpose. It was his father's will, and he knew it from a very young age. And the fact that he stayed behind like that shows he was very zealous to get busy doing it. Well, the title of today's lesson is Seek What is Good for One Another. Maybe like me, that made you think of uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. There it is in verse 15. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. We've already had a number of lessons in this lectureship that encompass the idea of doing good. We've had a lesson on serving one another, on bearing one another's burden, on building up one another, encouraging one another. In fact, I think if we take a look at all the topics in the lectureship series, they could be encompassed by this idea of doing good for one another. It's been a great lectureship for that purpose of how we should be with one another. But this topic tonight specifically says to seek to do good. And that caught my attention. And then I thought about Christ. For the Son of Man, in Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So we have a seek in Luke 19, verse 10. And we have a seek in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15, but they're not the same word. They're not the same word. And it's interesting, at least to me, to compare them. In Luke 19, 10, where Jesus came to seek and save the lost, we, we read, the lost, the original word, seteo, is to search for something lost. Well, that's very literally what Jesus said he was doing. He was seeking the lost. And I read a little bit other examples, how it might be used in a sense of like seeking fruit to be picked. And if Jesus came to seek the lost to pick that fruit, he didn't have a lot of trouble finding it. And that was his purpose to do so. But interesting to me was in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 15, it's not the same word. And it may not be translated seek in your Bible. It's a dioko. 
He's to, to put to flight, to pursue aggressively, to chase aggressively. And by implication, one uh, dictionary said, uh, to pursue or to chase aggressively, for, to, to persecute. Well, that's a much different turn in, in the definition. And it made me think, of course, of the Apostle Paul, or Saul of Tarsus. When he pursued, wouldn't, he was pursuing Christians to persecute them. It was very aggressive, wasn't it? Very aggressive, very zealous. He even sought paperwork that would let him leave Jerusalem and chase them into other lands, such as Damascus. That's very aggressive. And he was very successful at it because he was very, very zealous. But in Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul tells us to seek to do good to one another is that same word to put to flight, to pursue aggressively. So the good we should be seeking, that's the title of tonight's lesson, should be pursued aggressively. Just like Paul, or Saul, of Tarsus did, how he pursued aggressively. But now he's Paul the Apostle, he tells us to seek that way to do good. With that same zeal, with that same fervor, to chase, pursue good works. And now it becomes a lesson for me. Because I have to think about that. And I don't know about you, but that describes, you know, I do good works. But do I seek to do them aggressively? We'll talk more about that. But back to Thessalonians 5, verse 15, the Apostle Paul adds to this, not only to one another, but to everyone. This too is like Christ, isn't it? We know Christ came to the Jews, and we know there are times that he explained that he was here for the Jews, but it wasn't always gonna be that way. We have through prophecies and through the Great Commission even, the idea that Christ would become the hope for everyone, for the Gentiles, for everyone. How Paul, in his missionary journeys, we see how he went to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. He went to everyone. The gospel message was for everyone. And we rightly do good when we seek to do good for one another. That's great. That should be a priority. But we mustn't de-emphasize the fact that we are to do good to everyone. And we're to seek opportunity to do it. It also follows some principles that we see Christ teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5. That really should say verse 43 to begin with. Verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But why? Why do I need to seek to do good works for those, like praying, which is a good work, for those who are my enemies? Why would I do that? And verse 45 is the answer so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. And it continues, but there's the thought that we may be sons of our Father. 
because that's what our Father does. Further in the Sermon on the Mount, something that's perhaps even more familiar is Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. That's familiar to us as the golden rule, of course. It may be even separated in your Bible by a title that says like the golden rule and then verse 12, but that's, that's unfortunate for us when that happens because if you'll notice, verse 12 starts with the word so or therefore. It connects to what he says above that. But it gets separated. And, and that's, I mean, it's, it's okay that it is, but it's connected to what is before that, which begins maybe in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 7. He says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We have an example of how God gives to us. And so we should be that way to other people. We should act towards other people the way we want them to act towards us and the way God acts towards us. This is the substance of the law and the prophets, he said. This is how we can have the characteristics of our Father who is in heaven, who does good for everyone. As we have opportunity, do good to everyone. Galatians chapter 6 says exactly that. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. It's saying the same thing, it's just in a reverse order of what we said earlier. Notice once again, the scripture begins with so, or therefore, as we have opportunity. What precedes it? Well, Scripture's about bearing one another's burdens, about sowing the seeds of the Spirit. And verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. As we have opportunity, as we do have opportunity. You know, you can't go away from the saying, well, I agree with every bit of that, but you know, things here are pretty well buttoned up and, and, and people are taking care, I, there's really, I haven't seen any opportunity to do anything. That will not suffice. There's always opportunity. There always is. And where there is opportunity as Christians, it becomes an obligation. Opportunity equals obligation. And we are zealous to do it. When we see opportunity, we have an obligation. And it might be that it's an imposition on us, but it's still an obligation because of what God has done for us. 
It's not that we only seek it when it's convenient for us or how much recognition we might gain from it. The scripture says, seek opportunity. Seek the opportunity. Do it no matter how often it occurs, which it seems like all the time. Yeah, it's probably will. No matter how much is needed, do what we can. Do everything that we can. It may cost us, but we do it. When we think of the examples of what God paid for us. Think of what price Jesus Christ paid. Suddenly nothing seems expensive anymore. To the members here, absolutely. Absolutely. And to everyone, to all people, not just to our family, not just to the neighbors we know and like, but to everyone. If we wear the name of Christ, Christians will seek what is good for one another, for everyone. And then they are zealous to do it. How much evil? How much evil could we counteract by doing good? By seeking the opportunity to do good? How much of the world's influence could we negate by taking the opportunity to do good? It doesn't have to be a great act. The motive should be to be like God and to help others, not bring attention to ourselves, but rather bring attention to the grace of God. In closing, you need to point out that the devil is going to try to play a part in this. The devil will make us think we've grown too weary. Just like we read, don't grow weary in doing good. But he'll say, well, you're really tired. Well, I don't really have enough to help anyone. I, I don't have enough time, maybe in the future. In a different context, in Romans chapter 7, you remember Paul was talking about the problems between the carnal desires of the flesh and what he wants to do in the spirit. And he talks about that quite a bit, but in the end he'll say, so I find it to be a law when I want to do right. Or we might say, when I want to do good, evil lies close at hand. Anytime you want to do good and right, you can believe that Satan is going to be there to try and stop us. We're out of time, but there are many other scriptures we could use. Titus 3, verse 14, and let our people learn, Paul said. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Titus. What we've been talking about so much in this lectureship has to do with our fellowship with each other. How we are to be with, quote, one another, the theme. If you aren't a part of this fellowship, you can see what a blessing it is to be a part of it. What God has designed. What he has prepared for us to walk in good works. You can become a part of this fellowship tonight. You can wear the name of Christ. You can become a Christian if you believe the gospel. 
that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and will do it exactly as God commanded because we are his workmanship. Back to the first thought of the lesson, we are his workmanship, he owns us, he is completely holy, owns us, we are his. So we will do how he said, the good works that he laid before us in this regard. So like all who become Christians, repent and turn away from your sins. Confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be baptized, just as Jesus Christ said to do, so that those sins can be washed away in baptism, immediately washed away. You'll rise a new creature in this fellowship of Christians. If you're a Christian and you need the prayers of the congregation, take advantage of this fellowship. Now would be a great time to come and ask for those prayers. We're gonna sing a song now, conclude the lesson. So whatever it might be your need tonight, if you need to come forward, do so as we sing this song.